CMU, welcome to Center Review's fifth episode. We're here with Joe McGuire. His short story, Snakes Are Everywhere, appeared in Center Review's fall edition. I'm uh, Natalie DeFort, editor-in-chief of Century Review. And, and I'm Ben, I'm editor <laughs> at Century Review. Um, so hey, Joe, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, so we'll have you just read a little bit from your um, Snakes Are Everywhere, if you don't mind. I don't. <laughs> snakes are everywhere. There are snakes in my house. Snakes everywhere I go. In every room and every cupboard. I find errant snakes in my food, and snakes trail behind my feet when I do not adequately check, them, check for them upon leaving the house. It's been this way for most of my life, since childhood. My home wasn't the happiest or most stable growing up. My parents were unhappy, which in turn made me unhappy. And also there were snakes in every room of the house. It started when I was nine, when my parents were first beginning to really fight. That was when I found the first snake, petulant and green, loitering in the pantry. I was scared at first and ran away, leaving the dry goods to fend for themselves. But when I gathered the courage to return, I saw that the creature had no interest in me or anything else. It was content to lounge in the pantry, a fat, lazy grin, or whatever snakes do instead of gritting, on its fat and contented face. I told my parents about it, but they weren't too concerned. Apparently the snake had been there for a while, and I just hadn't noticed. You never look up from your shoes to see anything, silly, my mother playfully joked, but, that was, but this was no laughing matter. I insisted that part of their duties as caregivers was to ensure a snake-free environment in which I could safely mature. My father was reluctant, but eventually complied with my wishes. He grabbed the snake with some tongs and threw it out into the lawn. It's only going to come back, kid, my father insisted. There's no permanent solution to this, believe me. Not a week later, he was proven right. That fat, scaly son of a gun was back sitting right on top of my pot-tarts again. I once again demanded that the creature be removed, and once again my father removed it, only for it to once again return. The third time, he and my mom drove around town and dropped it off by their counselor's office in hopes that it would be confused enough not to return. The sixth time it happened, my dad and I went on a little road trip. We put the Ophidian freeloader in a box and drove him three towns over and threw him in the woods while mom stayed with grandma for the weekend. By the fourteenth time, my parents had become fed up with my demands for a snake-free household and told me to just deal with it. Their thought process was, it wasn't bothering anyone, it wasn't eating the food in the pantry, and any attempt by one of us to interact with it was met with complete indifference, so we might as well leave it alone. They soon returned to their fighting and left me to contemplate the true threat of the snakes. I wasn't convinced of my parents' plan of action. My general feelings about snakes were that they belonged in one place, and people belonged in a separate place, and the two places should not generally be intertwined. Alas, I was but a child and had little control over any household decisions, as would be made evident to me many times over the course of my life. Eventually, I, like my parents, grew complacent with the wriggling creatures that occupied every corner of our home. The snakes soon took up the same brain space as ill-fitting clothing or a poorly ventilated room. Annoying, annoying but not urgent. Cool. Thank you for reading. Yes. All right. So I guess the first question I had, um, do you currently have any snakes in your house? Uh, not to my knowledge, no. Okay. All right. I'm just checking for your safety. I mean, could happen, I, I guess. I don't I don't look in every part of my house all the okay. time. Do you at least check the pantry? Yeah. Okay, good. I have yet to see snakes in the pantry. I hear that's the, that's the most they, dangerous That's part. where they get in. <laughs> all right. Cool. 
you see one, you got a dozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so was this poem inspired by anything you experienced? Or? Um, well, I should start out that my parents actually have a very lovely marriage, <laughs> and they are not divorced, and they get along quite well with one another. Uh, I, I think they would find it. I think they would like me to clarify that. Yeah. Because a lot of people have asked me that question and <laughs> are worried that I come from a right. uh, argumentative home or an abusive home, and I don't. Um, it's really more the the marriage in this book is is compiled from just a number of things I've witnessed growing up. Um, they're like uh, spe- specifically a couple friends' parents who had. Rather difficult childhoods, and uh, I mean, there might be some stuff from my childhood, but very little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I had a pretty, pretty nice upbringing. It's <laughs> good to know. Just don't want, don't want people to think that my parents are jerks. <laughs> well, now I know. I better cross that question out then. <laughs> all right. So the, the next question I had um, is kind of like a two-parter. So first of all, why did you choose snakes as like this motif? Um, while reading, I f- it felt like the snakes represented, obviously, like some sort of unhappiness or marital troubles, um, especially that line when I think the dad said, um, they're only going to come back, kid, I think is one that stood out to me. So I was wondering why snakes, and then also maybe if you could talk a little bit about how you decided on that as the image you wanted to go for throughout the short story. Well, I guess um, the easiest answer to that is that I like snakes. I like them aesthetically and mm-hmm. also because of the fact that most people don't like it's a very it's a very obvious um, it's a very it's a very obvious thing symbol I guess it's a very obvious symbol of something that people don't like or something unpleasant mm-hmm. and yeah they were they represent I mean they can represent anything really but uh, without putting too fine a point on it they generally represent um, Unhappiness or problems, like problems, really is the broad. Yeah, uh, every snake is a problem <laughs> that the the either the parents have or that the child has, and um, we all have snakes in our house. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, snakes. Nobody likes snakes. Nobody likes having problems. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I see the connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of slither their way into things. Yeah, har har. <laughs> they're they're just and I and I like I like the word snakes I like yeah. the image of snakes uh, I find the image of just snakes writhing throughout your house to be both <laughs> visually interesting and uh, and probably very unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> I forget if you read the passage, but one that sticks out to me is um, when you've got that snake in the bed with you, and it's just like. Uncomfortably taking up all the space, I thought was a good way to sum that yes. uncomfortableness up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that that particular passage represents anything other than. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I mean, it definitely <laughs> was, but yeah, it, it carried a lot of meaning for me. Yeah. And uh, what was the process for writing the piece, and how long did it take you to write it? Oh God, I don't even know. <laughs> um, I usually come at my writing in spurts like I'll um, like I'll spend a long time writing a piece before I ever actually write it mm-hmm. and then the actual act of writing it is is not that long mm-hmm. um, and then I'll come at it with with uh, review with uh, edits later on mm-hmm. but um, 
otherwise, otherwise I, I spend I write most of the piece in my head. Okay. Uh, try to get most of the ideas out, and then uh, luckily I got this cla- this piece edited by a workshop class that I had. Yeah. Uh, which was incredibly helpful. Um, so anybody who's an aspiring writer, just you know, get a class of your friends to <laughs> <laughs> to edit it for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get everybody else to do the work. That's yeah, exactly. Good advice. Yeah. <laughs> so when you say like you're writing it in your head, like you're writing it before you write it, you mean like you kind of imagine it in your head? Yeah, I get I get um, all my best ideas uh, long before I write it, and there's a hundred ideas that don't get put in the piece. Right. Unfortunately, because I forget them. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I end up I look like a crazy person because I when I'm walking down the street, I'm mm-hmm. doing a lot of my writing, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just talking to myself and mulling these ideas over so you'll see me walking and murmuring and like trying <laughs> trying the feel of different words in in my head and in my mouth as weird as that sounds right um I'm trying to see what's the most natural mm-hmm. and i do i look like a crazy person as i walk down the <laughs> <All> road <right. laughs> well, that's a really cool idea though to be able to do that yeah that answers a lot of questions that i had about you so no <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess the next one that I have is kind of like a general one that we ask pretty much everybody, but like, what kind of writers influence you? What writers do you read to kind of get excited? Um, I mostly read uh, either science fiction or or speculative fiction. I guess um, for this piece, probably the writer I'm most uh, influenced by is Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I probably tried to emulate him a little bit here. I, I don't usually try to emulate a lot of people, but... Um, him definitely probably okay awesome definitely probably <laughs> both yes <laughs> um so what are like some of your plans for the future and like any advice you have for uh upcoming writers or um, writers? plans for the future that is a good question <laughs> um, <laughs> um i'm gonna graduate soon um then i'll then it's just getting a job yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna be writing more sending out more stuff if i have advice for writers i need advice more than i should be giving it but um (laughs) but if i uh if i have advice that's a good question i guess i would say uh don't be afraid of your ideas like like a lot of times i think people write what they think people like to read Mm mm-hmm and I don't think that's a healthy way to write. I think you should write. Um, you you should write what you want to write, mm-hmm. and then hopefully, hopefully somebody will like it. And if they don't, well, that's unfortunate. But it's it's better that you just. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying to discount criticism or mm-hmm. edits because those are important, incredibly, um, but. I've tried to get in Central Review for six years before I finally got in, Mm -hmm. and this last piece I think I wrote, I was writing the least for them. (laughs) Like, I was trying to just, I'm just like, you know what? Here, take this piece. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully hopefully they'll like it, but I didn't really expect them to, and they did, and... Yeah. Yeah, it kind of felt like this snake that was just like... 
<laughs> in our submissions that we couldn't get out of the place, so we had to, you know, <laughs> Good. had to keep it in there. <laughs> that was worded beautifully. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. We really enjoyed talking to you. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I wait. <laughs> Okay, so uh, for our listeners, our spring deadline has passed for the semester, but um, please keep writing and submit to Center Review in the fall um, and submit your pieces to cmucentralreview at gmail.com. And our reading uh, for this semester will be Friday, April 22nd at 530 in the Baber Room. And um, during that time, we'll be hearing um, all of our new writers read their pieces. Um, So thank you for listening. 